Hi and welcome to the Fleet Navigator podcast from Lease Plan, your go-to GPS for all fleet matters. I'm joined by Andy Rayner. Morning, Andy. Morning. And today we are discussing WLTP. Now, don't turn off everybody. I know it's a, it's one of those subjects. It's a bit dry, but it's uh, it's an important one, and uh, rightly the first one of a series of podcasts that we're doing on all fleet matters. So I'm Matt Walters. I'm head of consultancy services. Andy, do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Andy Rayner. I'm part of the training team, so I do a lot of work uh, internally uh, with lease plan staff, but also out in our franchisee and broker community. So, WLTP, so Worldwide Harmonised Light Vehicle Testing Procedure. It's the world's worst acronym because it doesn't even have uh, all of the words in it. And it's quite misunderstood in terms of how long it's uh, been with us and where it's going and the effect it's having on fleet. So the things we want to do today and the areas we want to cover is why predominantly are we moving into a new test cycle? What have we seen over the course of the past 18 months and some of the challenges that we've faced as an industry and, and as you as, as customers and interested parties? And more importantly, where we're moving to as we move from the NEDC testing cycles into full-blown WLTP for taxation for next year. And we'll kind of cover off uh, real-world driving emissions as well because they're two separate tests, which is sometimes gets misconstrued and combined together as one testing cycle. So hopefully by the end of the podcast, um, you guys will have a better understanding of what the new test regimes are and, and what it means for you and what it means for your fleets. Perfect. Couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> well, that's great. Perfect start. Yeah. <laughs> so we should start probably with a bit of history. Um, yeah, yeah, I so- think so. So WLTP came in to replace what was called the NEDC, or New European Driving Cycle. That's been around for, I guess, about 1992, unchanged since about 1997. And this was a test a few years ago that was found to be uh, less accurate than uh, had hoped. And as a result, a worldwide reaction to that and a need to really, I guess the key thing is is what it's trying to do. And it's, it's testing a vehicle. The, the best way I describe it is to test it in a way that is achievable by most punters. You know, so your average everyday driver. And as a result of the previous test, that certainly wasn't coming up to snuff. I think people, when they hear the acronym as well, they kind of they're bombarded with a number of thoughts. So, from my point of view, when I get this across in the training room, certainly uh, to make sense of it, I think if you hear WLTP, I just attach three clear words to it or, or clear, clear expressions. So WLTP, just think lab because it's a laboratory test. Think CO2 because it's predominantly around the CO2 emissions of the vehicle and also MPG or if you like vehicle performance. I think that's, that sums it up for me, Matt. Yeah, I think I think you raise a very good point. We get very, very focused on CO2. Obviously, it drives pretty much all of all of the taxation related to vehicles, certainly in the UK. We're not the only country in Europe that has CO2 as, as its moniker, but for us in the UK, it drives everything, capital allowances, leasing disallowances, vehicle excise, GT, the list is endless. However, we should also focus on MPG and more importantly, range. Yeah, for sure. So out of the plethora of data and the, the increase in fields is something we can talk about in terms of the data that's going to be available as part of the new testing. A lot of that is around plug-in hybrids and electric vehicles, about battery, about behavioural pieces. But I think the real piece is it's, it's that achievability piece. I think the work that we've done with customers and prospects uh, over the course of many, many years, we always used to start with an MPG minus 20% yeah, sure. because manufacturer MPGs were not realistic. And when we think about whole life costs and, and, and inclusion of fuel in those calculations, actually, the first thing that we do is actually reduce some of yeah. those expectations. And I, and I think you're right. I think, you know, we all add, uh, sort of added to the narrative of shock and surprise when it all came out that these weren't that accurate. But if you speak to any dealer or any broker, uh, we looked at 
MPG figures in a brochure with a mild amusement in many cases. Yes. But at that point, it wasn't really about that. You know, they were there to give you an indicative comparison between a Focus and a Fiesta or a Mondeo or, 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 or the like. But suddenly, when you align that to how much tax people are paying or lately, you know, what's going into the atmosphere or emissions, the accuracy of it becomes incredibly important. So in, in, in the main thrust of the change to the test, really it's the how long the engine's on for. So the test was increased in terms of its duration by about a third. The distance doubled, uh, although still quite small. But the key things around vehicle supply and vehicle production were really around, for me, two key areas. One, that in the old NEDC, a manual vehicle was tested in a, in a fixed driving position, so fixed gear position, whereas now they have to go up through the gears. So you're seeing certainly new vehicles coming out with a WLTP test where often the auto derivative or the automatic transmission derivative hits the market first and people think, hang on, what's going on? Mm. But that's because to test a manual now is included or treated as a separate vehicle. The second, of course, is now that any ma manufacturer fit options that are included within the vehicle that have an impact either on aerodynamics or, or weight distribution also have to be tested as a separate uh, selection. So we're seeing increasingly manufacturers going down either the pack route or actually dispensing with the, the amount of choices that a customer's got. Um, because certainly the likes of some of the German manufacturers, namely sort of Audi and VW, that's, that's what's created in terms of stock availability, certainly around September last year and really still exists now, some strains on getting some of the vehicles through testing uh, and actually out into the market. Yeah, the options the options piece is one that is uh, is quite a challenge for everybody. Yeah. And it's um, it's probably one we should, we should spend a little bit of time on. So fitted options that change the weight of the vehicle or aerodynamics of the vehicle, that configuration has to go through WLTP testing and its law from 2019, September 2019 this year. One thing to say is obviously we're only using WLTP numbers from a CO2 perspective for taxation from April next year. Yeah. But it is important to recognise that that WLTP data will be available from September. And the challenge is that manufacturers are not releasing all of the possible configurations. They're holding that data very close to their chest. BMW have confirmed that they will be going down the pack route. Yeah. And when we say pack, obviously today you can order a BMW M Sport. We'll just use, you know, we'll use BMW for now. You can use a BMW M Sport and you can add a tech pack. You can add a nav pack and you can add any combination of packs you want. The interesting thing is that going forward, most manufacturers will allow you to add one pack and it will be a combination of a number of things. And that data will then be in the base data. So readily and easily available to quote. The challenge is if that you configure a vehicle with multiple options, um, and I'll pick on Mini here because I think it's probably the one that's known the most in terms of what we see <laughs> yeah. come through as a quote. Well, yeah, it's I'm never sure. the base model. And I remember, you know, back in the day, if you went to the to the factory, you were met by some white coated Willy Wonka who said, "Yeah, welcome to Mini." Clap their hands and said, "Look, you know, a thousand aspects of this, the individual DNA of it." And then when they suddenly looked at, it, "Hang on a minute, you've got to test all these," they went, "Right, Chili Pack, Sport Pack. What do you think?" <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's an interesting shift. You know, right? that's it, yeah. So, yeah, but if you configure the vehicle at point of quotation, there's a real challenge in, in how you get an accurate CO2 and an accurate MPG because sure. the working assumption at the moment, and, and this isn't fixed yet, I have to say, we work very closely with CAP and with the data providers and indeed with, with JATO across Europe and the technology suite for being able to get hold of that information through them to the manufacturers isn't there yet. The API, the API isn't ready. Yeah. And so it's an interesting challenge. And we'll get onto it probably a bit later in this podcast. But obviously, we've also got the spectre of, uh, of, of a finance bill, perhaps, yeah. maybe. 
Who knows? In July, <laughs> whose finance bill it will be? You know, who yeah. knows? But let's not get into yeah. politics. I mean, you, you can't see Matt, but what I can definitely tell you, he's he's not in front of me holding his breath. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> absolutely. So from spring statement, you know, they, they launched this big consultation. It's absolutely relevant around future of vehicle taxation. It wasn't just about what do we do about a problem like WLTP? Sounds like the title of a musical. Yeah. Maybe one for another day. Yeah, but they launched this consultation in January, and unusually you would expect consultations to be reported on in the next spring statement, or at least some sort of narrative. But because of what was going on politically, the government were far focused on other things. That's what they said anyway. Yeah. You can obviously express your own opinions. Yeah. And what, all we saw in spring statement was that we'll tell you in the next few months. And it's ludicrous that as we are moving into a brand new vehicle testing regime and we move into, you know, using it for vehicle taxation, that we only have one visibility of one one tax year from 2020 to 21. I mean, I've been, you know, training brokers and, and the franchisee community for years. And it's the first time in my memory of over the last five, 10 years where we aren't able to show them a, a table of benefit in kind rates mm. that, that stretch off to at least three, four, five years you know, into the future. And so it's a real problem. You know, If you're putting anyone into a three or four year deal at the moment, I can only advise them 2021, you know, and then uh, away we go, you know, and again, with uncertainty around zero emission ranges mm. and the validity of some of those. And they obviously changed that, that testing through WLTP as well. It's driving an enormous amount of uncertainty out there, quite rightly, you know. I think the zero emission mile range is a really good point, actually, Andy. What we saw as we shifted into WLTP and we started using this correlated value. So if I'm, if I'm, you know, I'll just take a minute to just explain that. So moving from the new European driving cycle, as Andy quite rightly says, it's been around since 1992. Um, some would say, is it any wonder that some manufacturers found a way to yeah. take advantage of some of the fixed fixed cycles of those testing regimes? So in effect, new vehicles moved into WLTP. However, because we're not using it for taxation until next year, we have this calculation called the Compass Calculation, which takes a WLTP number and correlates it back to an NEDC number. First thing to say is that because the WLTP numbers are that much higher, the NEDC correlated value was higher, but also because it's a correlated value, what we are seeing is that WLTP, particularly CO2 values, will be higher again. Yeah, and, and I that, think that will confuse people as well because they they knew, well, most car drivers, that when it went live from, from last September, but mm-hmm. you will see on the 1st of April next year, between registering the vehicle two days before to that, an uplift yet again, and pe- it will be confusing to some people to say, well, hang on a minute, is this another new test that's come in? And of course it's not. They, <laughs> not they've the just, it was an olive branch, if you like, uh, to the taxpayer to say, look, we know this is going to go up, we don't necessarily want the taxpayer to pay the full brunt straight off, so we'll give you this 18 months dampening down of it, but to a degree may prove to have either over-engineered it or confused it um, uh, going forward next year. But you know, we are where we are, I suppose. As I say. Yeah, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of lobbying going on at the moment, and obviously there's, there's a lot of topics around this area, but one of the, part of the lobbying that's going on at the moment with government is to do something to smooth the transition into WLTP. Yeah. Because for the first time in, you know, I've been I've been in this role since 2005. I've got colleagues who've been around far longer than I have. And they will say that first time in living memory, we've seen tax receipt, number of tax receipts for company vehicles actually fall substantially. Yeah. So it's hovered around, you know, 980,000 for the last 10 years. It's now dropped to about 920,000. However, what the government see is their tax receipts have gone up. So the value of those yeah. receipts. 
And that's very telling, the fact that we have less company car drivers and they're moving out into, into, other, into, into other areas, and yet the government is seeing their tax receipts go up. So from the government's perspective, things are working. Yeah, yeah. And what, of course, we see is that the most, I think one of the most alarming ones for me, and, and, and certainly for Toyota, was when under the new testing regime on one day Prius was a ULEV. So that's a vehicle that's below 75 grams of, of and that's CO2. that's ultra-low-emission ultra vehicle. Low emission I'm, vehicle. I'm on acronym watch today. <laughs> yeah. I would normally carry a bell with me. But, I uh, have to say, that's something Andy does very, very well in his training <laughs> sessions. And, you know, that vehicle, all of a sudden, the new testing regime was no longer an ultra-low-emission yeah. vehicle. So all of a sudden, it's incurring congestion charging. So those Uber drivers that are flying around London in, in Toyota Priuses all of a sudden had a moment's thought in terms of their cost base. And and that was, you know, a real standout example. And, yeah. an, and another one is you know what we're seeing with a real mainstream model um sorry bmw i'm going to pick on you again although actually this is this is kind of power to your elbow because what we saw on three series was i was running some benchmarking and some testing cycles on a vehicle that was 109 grams let's bear in mind that below 110 grams of co2 that vehicle doesn't get hit with any kind of leasing disallowance so it's a very very economical vehicle from a whole life cost perspective yeah. all of a sudden in dc correlated that vehicle jumped to 122 grams of co2 wow and from what we're seeing in the cap data under a WLTP value, a full-blown WLTP So once value, the correlation goes next day. Yeah, it looks about 131. Oh. So it's another jump again. <laughs> so without any sort of smoothing yeah. on the current tax tables, yeah. you know, drivers are going to get hit with that tax increase, but also fleet managers and businesses as well. Let's yeah. not forget, you guys out there pay 13.8% tax on the taxable value of the vehicle as Class 1A national yeah. insurance contributions. Yeah. So it's a, it's it's that double hit, and often that's a very overlooked aspect when calculating whole life costs as well. You know, I think there's some obvious figures that you, that, that people attempt to put into a whole life cost, but that's one that's one of the hidden dangers or one of the hidden things that's a, a real gem that you want to make sure you get your head around um, because it can it can often make other vehicles that you think are based on rental very highly priced or highly cost to suddenly hang on a minute that's it's looking far more sensible if you like. Yeah, and I, that comes to evolu- evolution of fleet policy. When I joined and I, you know, I moved from a, a telematics industry into the dark world of, of the leasing industry, you know, I joined and I was seeing people basing their policies on P11D values. Yeah. Well, of course, one thirty grand car versus another thirty grand car is completely different from a lease cost base and from a cost base. And then the evolution into fleet policy into rental-based and then rental including irrecoverable VAT. And yet fleets don't seem to have made the leap. No en masse into that whole life cost piece and and one thing the recommendations and the conversations that I'm now having, not just with customers and prospects, but wider in the industry, particularly around electric vehicles, is you have to move into yeah. this whole life cost yeah. area. You have to be taking into account leasing disallowances. You, fuel is an obvious one, but you have to be taking in Class 1A national insurance yeah. contributions. And very often, you know, fleet managers and policy setters don't because tax isn't something that a leasing company will charge you. It's not on an invoice and it's dealt with in a separate department. It's dealt in tax and finance. So, you know, that's something for somebody else. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take it into account when you're looking at vehicles. We did an EV event last week. It was very well attended. And I'd, I'd say thank you to Tesla. And it isn't just because we were at Tesla. It was because, you know, Model 3 has just hit us. And it's quite an important vehicle because it starts addressing that mid-sector space. Yeah. That kind of five series perk space. 
and actually that vehicle compared to many ICE engines, three series included. Sorry, inter- internal combustion engine. Thank you. Yeah, no, <laughs> my, my ac- you my you try and sergeant. slide them in. I will catch every one of them. All right. So, and, uh, as you were. And that vehicle is now cheaper on a whole life cost basis. Yeah. So if you turn around to an employee and say, look, you know, we're moving to electric vehicles. The reaction is, I don't want a Nissan Leaf. And, you know, I'm well credited with this term and, and long may it haunt me that, you know, moving to electric vehicles, you've either got a magic money tree because you're going to have everybody yeah. Tesla S's or you've got employee problems because, you know, you've got Nissan Leaf or, or vehicles like Kona, which are very good vehicles, yeah. but aren't available. This vehicle's now coming in and, you know, good, good production on it. And it's cheaper on a whole life cost basis than yeah. a three series. So you turn around to an employee and say, we're moving to electric vehicles. You know, you're not going to get a Leaf. Have a look at this nice Tesla 3. How about that? the reaction is very, very different. Yeah. But if you're not in that whole life cost environment, Tesla 3 is a couple of hundred pounds more on rental per month no. at least than a For mainstream sure. 5 yeah. Series. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a point I can, when I'm, I'm addressing, you know, electric vehicles or EVs, as you call them all the time, <laughs> acronym, um, is that, you know, until we get to the, the total cost of the vehicle, or at least, the, the, you know, what I'll describe as the price at the pump, you know, what you'll see in the showroom, we're probably a good, probably two and a half, three years off still, where you'll be able to compare a full EV electric vehicle price to that of a standard internal, internal combustion. So while we're in that space where we're not at the volume, we're not at the production, we're not at the operating costs, You've got to get your mindset, yeah, but you're not going to be putting fuel in that. You're not going to be paying one, you know, 34, 135 or on a motorway service station, 170 per litre. You're not going to be taxed in the same way. And you have to bring that in. And it's all very well saying that, but this is the mindset of either, you know, the fleet manager or the punter, you know, the, the, the retail customer out there as well. It's a very nuanced picture. You know, it's not the answer to everything. We're not at that tipping point but you've got to start you know you can't just come to this party in three years time and go oh that's what you meant you know just because you're now seeing parity in in, in front end price you know there is already some parity that you can get by looking at the other as you say hidden costs in terms of taxation and and, and the like yeah i think and the taxation point is is interesting because at the moment if i if ludicrous though it is if i look at an electric vehicle right here right now that vehicle's taxed at 16% because anything below 50 grams is taxed exactly the same. Until we move into into next year's tax tables, so long as nothing changes, heavy caveat there, that we move into this regime where it's based on the number of zero emission miles the vehicle does. Yeah. If Obviously, if you're 100% electric vehicle, you know, you're going to do 100% electric miles. So you'll pay 2%. So between 2019 and 2020, you drop from 13% to 2%. Massive. And when you're looking at electric vehicles and let's be honest p11d value that, that list price plus plus mm. is more expensive you know at the moment 13 percent of let's call it fifty thousand pounds that's a lot of money yeah two percent of fifty thousand pounds all of a sudden it becomes a real game changer yeah, and it becomes absolutely. something that fleets need to look at i think that's a great place to leave it thank you andy so as andy says hopefully this has uh, simplified the subject for you if you've got questions please do go to the insights page insights.leaseplan.co.uk 